Welcome, everyone, to the Enter the Vortex podcast with Carol and Erin, where we share our experiences and opinions on the metaphysical and physical aspects of life as we know it. Well, welcome, everyone. That was very formal. I'm like, welcome <laughs> to our Yuletide episode. I don't know. <laughs> I like formal. There's a time and a place for formal. And I also like mocking formal and pretending that I'm formal when I'm really just mocking it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think today, like, I don't know. I wanted to really like talk about Yule and kind of like, well, Christmas holidays, Christmas traditions, Yule, whatever we want to call it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, I know I have some stories and some things to talk about, and I know you have some stories and some, some things to talk about. Mm-hmm. So like, where do we want to get started? Do you just want me to like share a little bit about what Yule is, like what the Yuletide season would be about? How do we want to I'm go? down with learning from Erin. You can take the lead on this one. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and not that I'm like, I will preface this by saying that I have not been following the year of uh, the wheel of the year as like prominently in my life as some people have. Um, but I do have a lovely resource that I find has been very instrumental in like learning different traditions and different things. Um, and also has been very helpful in allowing me to kind of pick things up and kind of, you know, take what I need and then put it down for like later, right? Some of the other books that I've read about the wheel of the year is just really dense and really heavy to try and get through. So the book that I'm talking about is this one right here. Oh, oh, you got to find it. So it's wheel of the Witch or year of the witch. Um, and it's by temperance Eldon. I actually got this on Amazon. I think it was either Amazon or I ordered it directly from the publisher, the wiser books or Weezer books. Mm -hmm. Um, But this book, like I said, is very simple to understand. And so it kind of talks about the various um, Sabbaths of the Wheel of the Year. And so with Yule, so it's basically like the pre-Christianity celebrations for like the solstice, the dark months of the year, right? It's, It's when the long nights are starting to end. Well, I mean, I guess the solstice is the longest night of the year. Um, in the winter anyways so it would be the longest night of the year and then at that point we're starting to shift into you know the not springtime quite yet but getting into you know the less um more sunlight more daylight getting getting closer and closer to spring Mm -hmm. um yeah one of the things that I really really have always kind of with the solstice or with Christmas and things like that I've always had this draw to fire. Like I always want to have a candle burning or, you know, like having um, a Yule log is something that's new to me. So I just got myself, I made myself a little Yule log with uh, the help of my husband this year. Um, Yeah. So anyways, I'm just going to read a little bit of a passage from this book. So it says, in the beginning, there was darkness before the light came, before days and nights, solstices and equinoxes, there was only darkness. We are born out of darkness and we return to darkness when we pass. Isn't that just like ominous and cool? Yeah, I like the mystery about it actually. It's very, it feels like home, coming home. Here, yeah. Hearing old time stories like traditions of my soul. <laughs> I know, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, this darkness is as much a part of us as we are of it. 
the presence of it is felt heavy through this section of the wheel of the year. Um, interestingly enough, Yule has not always been directly synonymous with the winter solstice and has instead been referred to as its own season. Kind of neat. I didn't know that. I didn't either until I was reading this book. I like it. <laughs> um, to be fair, when talking about Yule season, we should really start uh, during the first week of December when some of the other pagan and spiritual holidays start. These feasts, uh, sorry, these feast days lead us into the holiday season. So it would be fair to say that it starts there. Um, and then it goes on to talk about like how nearly every culture has some sort of holiday around the winter solstice. Yeah. Um, so it's not very, like, it's not specific just to like Celtic, uh, Celtic or Norse, uh, you know, pantheons and cultures. Um, yeah. So because no one culture, religion, or practice truly owns the spirit of Yule, we are blessed to have an abundance of festive myths, which is awesome. Uh, while some might say that certain practices are specific in origin, um, I believe, so this is the author stating that she believes that nomadic uh, European ancestors shared many of their beliefs with each other, giving us a widespread, almost uniform approach to the winter solstice season. So in, may, in many pagan traditions, the concepts of rebirth is expressed through the birth of a divine child. The celebration may include a vigil on the eve of Yule in anticipation of the birth. The child born at Yule is given different names in different, legend, uh, different legends. So in the Egyptian mythology, the child is uh, Horus. In Greco-Roman, the child is Apollo, and in Norse, it is Baldur. In Phoenician, <laughs> it's Baal, and in Celtic, it's Bel. And then if you're Christian, you've named it Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's just, it's, it's a really, like, I love that, you know, everyone kind of has this like winter tradition and that like, it's so red, well, um, far reaching and, and spread out that like, it doesn't matter which, um, culture or religion that you practice, you tend to have some sort of celebration, which is just really cool. Mm. Um, I'd also like to add here, and this is just kind of my own aside that when, Christianity was taking, um, I guess, becoming, starting to become more mainstream and more of the, like the, um, world religion, if you will, mm -hmm. a lot of the times, I think it was the Romans that really po not popularized Christianity, but really brought it across the world. Um, and they were very, what's the word I would like to use? <laughs> I don't know. They're just, they were really good at like, taking the pagan traditions or the like the locals traditions and like adapting them into Christianity so that like when you would practice with for example a Christmas tree used to be a Yule thing it wasn't necessarily a Christianity thing right mm -hmm. so they took the they adapted the Yule tree and brought it into Christianity and then was like cool now you're practicing Christianity like Christianity versus you know your own uh, Yule traditions or whatever um, so it's kind of neat to see that as well. So shout out to all those Christians out there who are actually practicing pagan magic. Pagan magic. <laughs> they don't even realize it. I, I find that fascinating actually. And the more that I dig into the stories and like, I just, you just type into Google like Yule traditions and it populates with some very interesting things. A lot from like anything Nordic, Slavic, Northern mm -hmm. European, all of that 
where the heart of paganism really was birthed um, and then how it has adapted over time through history. And there's a few stories that I do want to uh, mention to the readers, to our listeners, if they want to research a little more because they're entertaining. But I want to start first with um, the Celtic based uh, tradition of um, like the Holly King and the Oak King. Oak yes. King. Because I find that one really, that one really drew me in when I was researching it a few years back. And the imagery that you get when you check on Pinterest and just like the beautiful artwork, I'm just like sucked right in. There's something about Celtic folklore, like maybe it's the fairies, I don't know, but they just like, they draw you in and they get you hooked in there and it's just beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So the I'm reading this from, it's actually a Learn Religions website and it says in many Celtic, Celtic based traditions, um, there is an enduring legend of the battle between the Oat, Oak King and the Holly King. These two mighty rulers fight for supremacy as the wheel of the year turns each season. At the winter solstice or Yule, the Oak King conquers the Holly King and then reigns until midsummer or Letha. Once summer solstice arrives, the Holly King returns to do battle with the old king, Oak King, and defeats him. In the legends some of some belief systems, the dates of these events are shifted. And the battle takes place at the equinoxes so that the oat sorry oak king at his strongest so because he's at his strongest during midsummer which would make sense because that's when the oak trees are in their prime as well um and then the holly king would be dominant during yule because that is traditionally when those winter greens are more popular and and used and accessible in the forest as well so i really find it interesting that it's, it's kind of started as this like pagan legend, like a great story time around the fire, probably like in old villages. And then it became something a little more like I know that the Wiccan uh, belief system has also adapted aspects of that as well. Uh, but then I actually found this really cool page on Facebook that I'm now following that's about folklore. And they share some interesting stories that I came across that I was laughing. Like, it's so funny to me. Um, there's a few different things that I can mention. Um, <laughs> let me just pull it up my notes so the first one well let me see if I can find it oh yeah okay so I think this is one is an Icelandic belief um and it's called the okay so, so one Santa Claus is not enough for Icelanders we have 13 Yule lads for the 13 <laughs> nights before Christmas Eve one one of the troublesome brothers visit Icelandic homes and to tease the residents this morning Icelandic children awoke to see the gift behind the first visit first visiting Yule lad and it says in brackets, good children get a small gift left in their shoe, naughty children get a rotten potato. So it's kind of like that, you know, black coal that Santa leaves as well, right? Yeah. But, but what I find the most interesting is actually the um, <laughs> the names of these Yule lads. And I'm, I'm not going to say them in Icelandic because I there's no way I can formulate the consonants and the vowels in which that will do honor to the language. So I'm just going to give you the English interpretations. The first one quite possibly my personal favorite his name is bowl liquor <laughs> okay uh sheep coat claude and then this one just says gryla it's like looks like oh, an old Rila. 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 okay there you go um and then the english translation is uh lappy looter he, he's just as big as Grilla, and he, he looks a little foreboding um window peeper is another one that sounds creepy <laughs> Spoon liquor, doorway sniffer, sausage swiper, pot scraper, uh, the gully gawk, the skier gobbler, which if you guys don't know what skier is, it's a form of um, fermented yogurt style uh, cream. 
And I have a, a friend who's Icelandic, so she schooled me a few years ago, bless her. <laughs> and of course she lives in Gimli and that's like where Iceland, Icelandics uh, settled in our province. So anyways, um, candle beggar, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like he's obviously looking for an offering. So I suspect that um, if you were to provide offerings to them, they maybe might be less trickster-ish about that. Uh, there's one guy called Stubby, of course, he's the short and stout one. Uh, there's another one called Meat Hook, which I, I'm just going to leave that one up to imagination. Uh, door Slammer is another one. And then my personal favorite is the Yule Cat. Have you heard of the Yule Cat? Yes. Or? Doesn't they come and eat the kids that are bad? <laughs> like, it is the most entertaining story I have ever, ever heard in my entire life. It's legit a story about this giant cat that will terrorize children if, they if they're not wearing new clothing because traditionally you would receive new clothing for christmas as a gift and that's a, that's a tradition that i think should always be like heck yeah i want clothes man and like handmade items as well especially back in like old small village times where you were the seamstress for your entire family so you would adorn them with new clothing for the new year especially because especially kids like they grow so much as well oh, yeah. so it makes a lot of sense anyway so the uh, the whole premise behind this is that if you're not wearing new clothes on Christmas, the cat can smell you and they'll come and eat you. And <laughs> the image that I got of this big old fat gray cat, I'll send it to you because it's just worthy of, of sharing. I'll actually also share it on uh, my social media platforms like closer to Yule because I just think it's freaking hilarious. But it just reminds me actually of the cat came back story. And if you ever watch it on CBC, just the way that the cat cartoon is kind of prouncing around in the in the in the in the neighborhood coming always coming back to his owner's home like just I bust a gut laughing when I read this I was like there's a freaking yule cat why is this like why was I today years old when I found out about the yule cat right? I'm not a cat person but my goodness this would to make me into a cat person <laughs> I know it's just it's I can't remember like I don't know why it's been in my awareness so much this year but like, I, I don't think it was the first time that I'd heard that, but it has been popping up a lot more for me over the, like the last month where I'm like, how did I forget about this Yule cat thing? Right. Like, it's so funny. Cause it's like, if you look at like, um, for example, the, uh, the German, um, cultures, um, they have, uh, like Krampus or Krampus, however you want to yeah, say it, Krampus, the yeah. evil, like horned god looking creature that like would steal children and I always I've always said like if I have because you know how elf on the shelf is right now and they're like oh the elf will tattle on you to Santa I'm like no 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 screw the old like the elf that like hides out and I have to do stuff with no <laughs> if you want to be misbehaving I'm going to get myself a Krampus that's going to come and like <laughs> literally kidnap you out of your bed but you know what I have Icelandic heritage, so I'm all in on a dual cat. It's just a little bit harder to, like, you know, actually have a cat come and eat you. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I'm, I, this is, like, a little bit of, like, my horrible motherhood. Like, I just want to be a terrible mother sometimes. Because, like, could you imagine your child not behaving well and, like, misbehaving, being a rotten, you know, child, and you're like, all right, cool you don't want to behave cool cramp like Krampus is going to come and get you and then actually having someone dress up and steal your child I mean granted I would never do that because that would be so traumatic <laughs> for the child but could you imagine they'd never do anything horrible again <laughs> I actually wonder if that is as effective as they think it is but I do get an like 
entertaining kick out of these folklore stories because so many of them are based in keeping children in line right you know and it just it's like man as an adult it's funny as fuck but when you're a child and you're literally terrified that you're never going to see your parents again but I do know when you're I would love to travel Europe around the Christmas season like that needs to be a future manifestation and like that would be cool for us to do together with our families and just go and like see all the different traditions and things because to go back to I guess I would want to call it old country because I do know that I have lineage there um, it would be beautiful to experience the culture firsthand and not just on what I see on the internet, what is shared from other people around the world. And now that we've increased our friendship connection and our client connection to be globally, like how cool would it be to go dance around the globe when we're allowed to travel again and, you know, experience, I would love to go travel Germany and like the UK, London, like I don't care, everywhere, anywhere that I have heritage the German traditions really, really do interest me a lot. Um, I do have German lineage, but I don't know that much about the culture. Mm-hmm. I know more about Ukrainian culture just because that's what was gifted to us as we grew up. But I don't even think we do traditional Ukrainian Christmas style stuff because we follow the commercialized version of Christmas in my family. Our tradition is Christmas Eve, we all gather at my mom's, we open our gifts, and then Christmas Day, we spend at, at another, another one of the siblings' homes. But this past couple of years, we've decided to switch things up again. And personally, for me, I could take or leave Christmas itself. I look at it as I'm happy to hang out with my family and share food and laughter and play games. I don't care about the gifts part of it because it's getting to be overly commercialized and there's really no meaning to it. You know, I want to put meaning back into these celebrations. Mm-hmm. And at heart, when I have my own family, I'm going to be celebrating the wheel of the year turning and we're going to be doing Yule traditions and then whatever lineage my partner may be, we're going to incorporate all of that. So And I think it would be kind of cool to have raised children in a way that they have like a world stage experience of what all of the traditions are like, because as you said, there's so many different cultures that have traditions at this time of year, like, how cool would it be to tap into that and have your kid kind of show where they're drawn to because that almost might even indicate maybe where their Akashics are and where their past life experiences are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean... One thing that I really like adore about this time of year is like, well, I can't even say about this time of year, but it's like when I was in in elementary school, so like decades ago, um, for whatever reason, my school was pretty progressive. And I remember doing like, maybe it was like mid-November till about like when we went for Christmas holidays, we actually went through um, like Christmas around the world. And we talked about different cultures and different like experiences. So like I knew about Hanukkah, I knew about Kwanzaa, Mm -hmm. I knew obviously about, you know, Christmas and like different Yule traditions. Like we learned about um, Krampus and and, like St. Nicholas and like things like that. So it was really cool that we got to teach or got to learn about a lot of those cultures Mm -hmm. um, and a lot about the different traditions. Um, And I think that was something that really like, like I got to hold on to and then really appreciate as I grew up because I could understand someone else's viewpoint a lot easier than, you know, if I just grew up in like the Christian faith, which like, again, my family, we're not really religious. We're more like into the commercialized version of Christmas as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And like now having my own family and like having the space to really like explore my own 
um, like my own histories and my own um, experiences and things, right? Like with my husband's family, they are uh, Polish Catholics. So the biggest thing for them is Vigilia, which is Christmas Eve, mm. um, which is, I guess, in essence, the waiting for the birth of, of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we usually have a really big meal together. Um, they don't have Santa, or at least in the experiences that I've had with this family, like they have St. Nicholas that does um, like the is it December 6th, I think it is. Yeah. And then for Christmas, Vigilia, whatever, we do, um, actually, it's, I'll, I'll explain the tradition because it's really fascinating be like not a Catholic at all and then having to experience this. So we, before we eat dinner, we come together as like a family um, and we all get a piece of the, um, my husband would call it a Jesus, <laughs> but it's like the Eucharist or like the, the, I can't remember the, the Polish name for it, but it's basically the wafer right? So we all get a piece of it. Um, and we go around and we wish each other like well wishes. Like I wish you for the new year, you know, joy, happiness and abundance or whatever. Right. And it's very individual to each other. And then you break up, break off a piece of their, um, wafer, they break a piece of yours off and then you eat it. And so you go around and you're like being blessed by all the people in the family, which is just so beautiful. Um, then when we, like we eat dinner and that's usually a really, like, I think traditionally it's supposed to be like 12 to 13 dishes. Um, and none of them are meat in in like, you know, red meat and and chicken and stuff like that. So it's fish and, um, vegetables and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think we might have chicken, but I could be wrong on that. Um, Ukrainian tradition is similar where it's meatless, like the Friday or whatever is meatless. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's actually... My husband has stories of when, um, like when he was growing up, his mom would actually go and buy a carp, a live carp, and then keep it in the bathtub until it was time to butcher it. (laughs) That's amazing. No shower for you. Yeah, no, we can't, we can't have showers. Like we have a carp in the, in the bathtub. And so I'm just like, that's amazing. Um, but anyways, so yeah, after we eat dinner, then um we have and of course like you know we say some sort of blessing before we eat um but like in terms of like ringing in the time for gifts we actually have a bell and someone goes around and rings the bell and it's like to symbolize the christmas angels bringing us gifts which is just like the cutest idea ever it is so sweet i know i love it it's it's like it's really strange knowing like from where i sit in terms of like you know, commercialized Christmas, right? Like you, you have Santa come and bring you gifts on Christmas Eve, and then you wake up Christmas morning and you unwrap everything. Um, mm-hmm. And um, just the idea of like these Christmas angels, and like everyone, of course, knows that there's no actual angels bringing gifts because, like, even the youngest before my daughter was born, even the youngest was aware. Like he was the one going around ringing the bells, saying, "Okay, now it's time to open presents," which is super cute. Um. But yeah, like, it's just, it's really fascinating to me to see other people's like traditions or like family gatherings and things like this. Like, it's so, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like, for me, like kind of going back to what I was saying earlier with like having a family now and especially having a little one, um, you know, I love the idea of like taking a little bit from here and taking a little bit from here. And then maybe even like incorporating my own 
like concoction of stuff, right? I mean, I, I really love the idea of having like a Christmas per se, because like that makes it the easiest to kind of translate to, you know, other people out there. But I do love the idea of celebrating some sort of Yule tradition with the solstice and, you know, still maintaining like the Polish Catholic stuff um, and being able to kind of sample from a lot of these different things and just like create our own little like family um, traditions. So, I mean, I've got a few things that I want to like incorporate and add, but I'll, I'll let you talk about your your traditions or, you know, I can't steal the show here. <laughs> oh, come on. I would let you. <laughs> um, I actually really love how beautifully intentional um, the, the, the passing of the wafer and giving blessings to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the flip side of that is the idea of like the Seinfeld popularity of like, isn't it Festivus where like the airing mm-hmm. of grievances or something like, I think that our family should do both. Like, let's do an airing of grievances, clear the air, and then now, okay, now what do we actually want to bless each other with? Because maybe that'll help us, like, actually like each other. Um, But it's funny when I look at what the, like, quote-unquote traditional Yule um, origins are and the traditions that are incorporated into that and then how much of that we actually do and don't even realize that it is that. Um, So I just wanted to add... I have another source from a Celtic and Viking page, and it gives you some rituals that are related to Yule that I just want to toss out there into the world if anyone is curious, and they can do some more investigating on what might feel right for their families. Um, So you mentioned already lighting of the log of the Yule, and I I look at solstice as, and Yule itself as like a celebration of bringing back the light, because we are walking often from Samhain, like Halloween Samhain, that time of, you know, it's the dark time of the year, it's like all the shadow work coming up for us to work on our inner self and also literally the world is going darker because we've shifted away from the sunshine and it's like the seasonal changes and so we and I and it was interesting my dad said this to me and I had never thought about this ever before but I was like oh it's winter solstice and I like I'm not excited to have it be officially winter and he's like why he says that means that the sun is coming out more often and I was like oh you're right about that. He's like, yeah, he's like, when we have the solstice, that means that it's the longest night of the year, but then that means it's brighter in the morning. And this man used to go to work at seven o'clock in the morning and would be driving down major roadways because he, he worked across town. His drive to work was like almost an hour. So he would be leaving at like six o'clock in the morning in the darkness and then coming home after 6 PM in the darkness. And he says, that's hard on you. Even though he was an auto mechanic and he was working in a shop where there's windows everywhere, you, your body physically notices that drawing away of the light right and I'm like full proponent of like anywhere I can get vitamin d is is definitely a thing <laughs> so and it, like I really notice you know from October to November usually about the end of November it hits me that it's like oh yeah I probably should start taking my vitamin d now because it's it's been that you know dark time but so that idea of like bringing back the light lighting the yule log setting intention with what you are doing and taking a look at what you're ready to let go of from the, the year past and what you want to call forth for the year forward. Um, and it says that traditionally the lighting of the Yule log, um, you burn it for 12 hours. Um, and then the ashes are scattered across the fields to make them fertile. Ooh. So that would be very like farm, like farmland village kind of community style, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, decorating the houses with mistletoe um, for being the one that, I think that's a spelling mistake, being the one that grows in the oak, which, I guess, I don't know where mistletoe actually grows, but maybe that, okay, let's, I don't, I need to research this, but if mistletoe grows in the oak, that's kind of funny, because it, it's a play on the holly king and the oak king, because 
holly is often used in mistletoe it's not the same plant but often when you get a mistletoe ball there's also holly included in it which are i think are both poisonous because mistletoe is a white berry and holly holly is also poisonous it's also interesting we should do an episode on poisonous plants and and medicines and stories about that that'll be fun because it's it's really cool when you explore the medicinal herbal and i know herbalism for you is a thing and for me like it is but i i don't know that i want to take the professional route but i'm fascinated from a hobby perspective you you best believe i'll share those codes heck yeah um okay so your reference yeah that's fine you can give me you can give us the technical responses and i'll just tell you the folklore aspects of it i'm done with that um i actually was on a hike in alberta last year and i had come across wintergreen and i had no idea what it ever looked like and i was like this is wintergreen this is really cool like and i knew there was a lot of medicinal properties from wintergreen and I had never seen the live plant before. So it was a really interesting experience for me. And it was around when, it was, this was in 2020 and uh, the Calgary area had an early snowfall. It was like the end of September and it was a blanket of snow when I had arrived to Calgary that night. I was like, I freaking left Winnipeg, which was like plus 20 the week that I left to drive to Calgary to see a friend, get a tattoo and bring in winter. What is this about? Like, it was, oh geez, yeah, anyways. It's so funny. Um, okay, back to Yule traditions. Uh, turning off all the lights uh, and then turning them on one by one. Um, maintaining a night vigil to wait for the sun is another one. Um, going from Wasail through the town, which was in current language, asking for the bonus, which now this is flashing me Fred Penner because he has a Wasailing song. And if you actually listen to the lyrics of his song, I love Fred Penner for Christmas, by the way. I love Fred Penner in general. He's just a fantastic artist, but a wholesome um, human. Right? Totally. And I mean, I don't, I'm a grown ass adult and I don't care. I actually saw him live a couple of years ago when he played Winnipeg and it was a, it was a Christmas tradition. But like when you actually pay attention to the, the songs and the lyrics, like they tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that is how a lot of oral history is passed down, right? Through song, through, through stories around the bonfire and from the elders to the youngers and all of that. So, I mean, if it's a song itself and you memorize it, it's pretty much the information is succinctly within that story. You can't really misinterpret it if you have followed the traditional language of the song. So mm-hmm. um, I do remember being drawn into that, that song about a wassailing and it's like essentially like a play on caroling door to door, but it's just in the firm for it. And there was like, I think there's some traditional drinks involved as well. Um, I think like the idea of hot toddy is actually the original intention was to cure the common cold, but it, if you're actually enjoy warm beverages, like it's, it's, I think it's heated whiskey. Some people use rum. There's other medicinals that are put into it and you take a shot of it and it's heated. And like, then that's where hot buttered rum comes from and eggnog and all these wonderful, delicious drinks that I yeah. don't have because I don't drink alcohol, but that's okay. <laughs> There's mulled um, wine as well and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. All the spices, all those warming foods, like mm-hmm. during the darkest part of the year and in the winter, like that's what you need is all these warming foods and pine needle tea is another one that has a high, high, high level of vitamin C and that's traditionally used as well like who would have ever thought you could collect pine needles and make a tea out of it like i i haven't tried it yet but i have i actually was gifted a tea bag from a company that when i ordered a bunch of essential oils and it included a douglas fir and something else like whatever pine needle tea so maybe they'll do that on yule this year and then another tradition is um okay so this one this one i love because this is more like back to the celtic stuff one of the traditions of this holiday was to put into the houses a fir tree, which was symbolizes the sacred Yggdrasil, which is the, the world tree. 
the life of the world tree and the great ash tree whose branches hung on the nine worlds including midgard or the land of men houses were decorated with mistletoe or holly as it symbolized the tree so again bringing the forest into your home and being in communion with the nature around you like i am all about that all about that <laughs> any time of year <laughs> yeah there's actually um frozen of all things oh, um there's a, a really point. i know there's a really good um there's a really good what is it um short i guess you can call it it's like maybe a half an hour long but um i can't remember what it's called now but Olaf, the snowman, basically goes out with Sven because Elsa and Anna don't have any Christmas traditions or Yule traditions or whatever, because, you know, the whole story of Frozen. Um, and uh, so Olaf goes out to, like, investigate all the different traditions of the kingdom. And it's so cute because you get to learn about different um, different little traditions. And I think he goes to one um he goes to one household and he's like, so you cut down a tree and, <laughs> and dress its corpse in candles. <laughs> cool. And then like the children are crying because they're like, what the heck? And I'm just like, yeah. that's amazing. That's like the best way to describe the Christmas tree. <laughs> yep. I love Olaf. He's my all time favorite Disney character, except for, that's not true. I have three. Timon from Timon and Pumbaa and the emperor from emperor's new group oh God, i think yeah. a lot of it has to do with like the voice character like david spade come on come on how can you not enjoy david spade <laughs> yeah pretty funny yes i agree and olaf is so like he drops some pretty sick knowledge you gotta say like yeah straight face poker face and like the adults in the room are laughing or the adults in the theater are laughing like crazy and the kids think it's cute too but they don't get the other layers of the jokes but there's mm. there's a lot of wisdoms in disney for sure there's a lot of other layers of things as well we can discuss on another episode but um, yes. <laughs> overall I, i'm still a disney fan i do appreciate yeah yeah i hear you um and it's 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 interesting too because like um one of the things that I had seen in here as well, like it, like this book has its own little like section on Yuletide traditions, which is just beautiful. Um, and one of the things that I've kind of um, really enjoyed doing over the last couple of years is like making those little like Yule balls or they like the book calls them witch balls. Um but essentially like the way I do it, which is a little bit different probably from, you know, some other people who practice, um, you know, different things as well. But for me, um, like I said, like the starting of the Yule ball has been kind of over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And this ball is really like, um, like I get like a little glass ornament or I've been using plastic ornaments because they're cheaper and easier to find. Um, and also not breakable when I have a young child running around. Or cats. <laughs> yeah, or cats. My cat has not been in my tree, though, so that's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, like, I take the ball and I, I stuff it full of, like, different herbs and essential oils and spices and, and things like that that I just, I mean, I'm picking them intuitively, but some people might go through and, like, pick out, like, this herb means these things and this um, this spice does this and that kind of stuff. Like, you might be more intentional in it. I just go, what smells good? What do I, what am I drawn to? And what can I put in here? And so then I, sh you know, put it all in the ball. 
But then I take a piece of paper and I write down like my, I don't want to say goals for the year because that's not what it is, but my intentions for what I want the year to be like and what I hope to accomplish and what, um, what things I want to experience and stuff like that. And then I roll it up into like a little tiny scroll and you like, you know, tie it off and you put it in the ball and then like you hang it on your tree. And then when you pack the tree away, you also pack the ball away. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did this, I think for the first time it would have been last year. Um, and I have my little, um, Yule ball that I did last year and I actually got it out and I got my little like scroll and I opened it up and, and I looked at it and it's like a nice, I guess you could almost say like, it's like a time capsule. It's like a nice little way you can look at the time capsule type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, it's really, I think that's a beautiful tradition in and of itself to be able to like really put intentional thought behind what you want to achieve or what you want to experience. And then in the coming year, see how that is. Um, and then I think last year too, I did like a little, I think it was on Yule, um, right at the dark night of the year, right? Like where I sat down and I had all the candles and and I really was intentional about what, like, I wanted to release or let go of from the year and what I wanted to welcome in with the, the you know, dawning of the day, right? Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to hold, like, a all-night visual, like, waiting for the sun to rise. I'm sure I'm probably a few years away from that. You know, I kind of want my child to be able to, like, you know, take care of herself a little bit more than what she needs right now because I'm not staying up for all night for nothing. Um, not for nothing. I shouldn't say that, but like, I'm not staying up all night and then trying to maintain my little two-year-old. Cause that's just a little, yeah, nope. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, I love that idea. And I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm coming back to different traditions or different things that I want to experience. Um, that like, I haven't had a chance to really delve into until probably about now, mm-hmm. which is just really cool. Um, and then, yeah, like I just, like I talked about earlier, like with the Yule log, I have like a nice little log that I've cut little candle holes in and I have little candles. So every, um, I haven't done it yet, but I think probably um, for sure on Yule or when I'm not working so much, um, I'm going to light them every night and that's going to be my little thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I also, um, I am a huge fan of any kind of greenery and I'll go forage in the forest and provide offerings of energy or some other kind of offering back to the forest. And I often bring home cedar. It's one of the other medicines I love using at this time of year. Mm-hmm. And I just like decorating with the cedar. And then when it's like time to clean up and switch over, usually after probably mid January is when I kind of do that switch. And then it's like, I've really been in that energy since the middle of December of what you know, saying goodbye and allowing the proper grieving process of the year that has been, especially these last two years for a lot of us, I think it's been a lot more grief um, and a lot more grieving is required and just honoring that and, and kind of whispering all of that away to the plants that I have on my altar space in my room. I have every single shelf in my room is decorated with some form of cedar or pine or um, sage that I forage in the summertime and all those different herbals and then I will do a big bonfire at some point and I will I haven't done a yule log I don't know that that would I mean I could do that this year but I haven't um perhaps when I'm on my own again and I'm starting my own family traditions I'll make that a part as well but there's some beliefs that say that you hold the yule log for 12 days 
and you speak intentions into it and then you burn it on the 12th day. So it's a lot similar to like the 12 days of Christmas kind of thing too, like where there's something going on every night, which also parallels Hanukkah having their, like the eight days and nights, you know, and I really like the idea of, of being in ceremony and, and like festivities for more than just one day. Mm-hmm. you know and it's not just Christmas Eve but it's like there's like intentional things happening every night leading up to the big grand finale and then so some traditions say that you were you would after the 12 days bull burn the yule log and then other traditions will say that you keep that yule log for a year and then you burn it the following year either way it's a fire I like fire I like burning stuff I like sitting around the bonfire and I I don't want to say maybe I am speaking to the fire but just I guess bubbling up with or being in communion with and watching the flames and like flame scrying kind of thing. Like I can, I definitely have gotten into some altered states of mind completely sober, but just staring at the flame and watching the flame and the embers, the way that they move and the way that they flash. And it's like living art to me. And I like the idea of collecting all of those greens and things that I, you know, I, I had taken from the forest and then giving them back as ash kind of thing like I will incorporate that in my offerings in the future um once I have my dream home in a forest in the middle of the forest it would be it'll be a lot more powerful for me to be in communion with the land because it will be my land that I'm taking care of and my the animals and my space and all of that so yeah but I mean it also makes sense like to me like I have an artificial tree I have a few actually and I understand like when apartments aren't they don't allow real trees because it's a fire hazard i totally understand that if you're not versed in how to care for a real tree it does it is a fire hazard it legit they like if you don't keep them watered long enough they they turn to powder (laughs) you snap you snap a finger and a piece of static and they could set it off so i I understand that but at the same time like the idea of having that energy and uh having that tree be part of your ceremony and your family experience and then you know gifting it off back to the land you know, having a big, beautiful bonfire again as another gathering or like as a solo event, either way. And, and to me, that just that, that speaks to me on a soul level of it doesn't matter what religion, it doesn't matter what belief system, it doesn't matter what spirituality, it doesn't matter if it's witchcraft or not. Like to me, it is just honoring myself at a soul level and earth at a soul level and being back in communion with nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just. I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I think for a period of time, um, somewhere probably in my teens and early twenties, like I got really fed up with Christmas. I was just like, Christmas is just a crock of shit. It's all just commercialized and blah, blah, blah. I hated it. The best part of Christmas for me was coming together with my family and being able to like celebrate with them and enjoy the amazing food. Cause we always had huge feasts. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I kind of low key was excited that my parents split up because I got two of everything, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like (laughs) you get two Christmases, you get two Thanksgivings, you get two, you know, like I just, I love the food. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and now I'm kind of, now that like I've grown up a little bit more and I, I can appreciate again. And I think part of it too, was that I was working in like, I was, uh, serving, so I was working in like customer service and then I was uh, working in retail and like from what, like the beginning of November or right after November, November and stay, remembrance day, um, we like, they would put on the Christmas music and it would be like, it's a holly. And I'm like, fuck, I hate this music. So like, to me, actually, like to this day, 
I cannot listen to the music, like the Christmas carols with song with um, lyrics in them. If I'm going to listen to the Christmas music, it has to be all instrumental mm. and it has to be certain, like there's certain people that I can listen to. Like um, Pentatonix is usually one of them that I can listen to. Um, I'm a fan of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They are fantastic. Um, live, but not for Christmas. Oh, God, I it was my tradition. I that was a thing that I started when I was um god probably decade almost a decade ago actually. I would go and see them every year that they came in. Um and I was like I go all out when I'm when I'm actually into a, a, a you know artist of some sort. I'm like I don't care how much your tickets are. I'm paying for floor seats and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Concerts are an expensive habit. <laughs> But I just generally don't like art. Like, I don't like music enough to actually go to concerts. But the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, they are a whole production. Like, they're a show. Yeah. They're a Christmas story, right? So I think I I know for sure I've seen them live three times. Um, and then I can't remember. I don't know if it was, like, they... I didn't have the time off or something. Or if they um, if they didn't come a year or something like that. I don't remember. Maybe I just didn't want to. I had seen the same show three years in a row that I'm kind of like, eh. but like, I know some people who do that with the Nutcracker. Um, you know, they go to the Nutcracker. Actually, the first time I'd ever seen, this is off topic, but kind of sort of a together. The first time I had seen the Nutcracker um, was actually the year that I was pregnant. Um, yeah, I think I... Did I know I was pregnant at the time? I don't remember. I was just highly emotional because there were so many cute little children running around and I'm like, oh my God, they're in like little mouse outfits. Oh my um, gosh, that would be cute. Yeah, it was a super adorable. And um, yeah, I remember being there and like watching them and like, I am a sucker for ballet. Like mm. I, doesn't matter what ballet it is. I get so emotionally invested in the music and like the, well, not like they're telling you the story, but like, you know how to dance out the story. And I get, I can get, so weepy so fast <laughs> um but yeah like these are these are things that I like to you know be able to experience with my child too like when she can eventually handle concerts that are super duper loud and you lose your hearing for three days after um <laughs> get those little earmuffs um yeah, but yeah, like I, yeah right like I don't know. Those are, those are things that I'd love to take her with, like an experience. And even too, like the idea of going around and seeing like a whole bunch of Christmas, um, lights and like the, like, I think the best part about, you know, being in this position now, like I remember obviously being a child and growing through Christmas and things like that. And, and having that magic of Christmas kind of fade as you get older, because then you start realizing like, oh God, I have to buy Christmas presents and yeah. oh, I have to make cards and oh my goodness, this and all that stuff. Like it really starts to kind of, I don't want to say jade you, but like, it just, I don't like the commercialism of everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And then now having a little girl and like being able to see like, the magic in her eyes like when she comes and sees the Christmas tree all dressed up for the first time ever she's like oh, like you know like there's that that meme of the cat oh. with the really big eyes and you can see the sparkles of the lights like that's what I see in her eyes when she sees the Christmas trees and um when we go and we see like there's a guy um that decorates his house like to the nines um 
just by our mailbox. So every time we go and get the, the, um, the mail in the evening, cause it's dark, um, you know, he's got his Christmas lights on and she just like is so excited and she wants to touch everything and see everything. And I, I just love the ability of like sharing that with her and like watching the, the magic of Christmas through her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it just, it's so exciting. And I think, I think that's one thing that I really, really adore. And that I think people could really take, I guess, um, wisdom from is like, if you ever get jaded on a holiday or you get so burnt out from the commercialism of everything, look at the children around you because they're not seeing the commercialism. They're seeing the magic. And, you know, the, I don't want to say the history because it's not really the history, but like they're seeing the magic and the sparkle and like the lore and all the excitement that like these seasons bring. Um, And then you can, you can, I don't know, you can kind of feel a little bit better when you actually see that and you can kind of take that, um, that experience in and and kind of help DJ you, I don't know, make you less of a bahungbug, (laughs) Ebenezer Scrooge type of person. (laughs) I wonder what it is about becoming an adult that we lose the awe and the magic and the wonder of life. Is that something that is systemically like quieted or is it just the way that our mind shifts and matures or I don't know like and then I feel like we spend some of our adult life look seeking for that again until we find it or else we give up on it you know and then like you say like you end up being the Ebenezer Scrooge but I don't need three creepy ghosts coming at me in the middle of the night to have me change my mind thank you very much my room is my room is gridded for a reason (laughs) so yeah, and I mean, that could be an episode even in itself, because I think that could be unpacked a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think there is something about, like, becoming an adult and having all these responsibilities thrust upon you and, and like, really realizing that, like, a lot of your hopes and dreams or the things that you felt were magical are actually not, you know, and, like, not to tank the energy of this episode, because it's been so beautiful, but, like, that could be a total total episode of itself but then what also if we look at it as the angle of lifting all those layers off and reinviting the magic in because to counter what you're saying like there are things that as a child I did not think were magical that now I'm an adult I'm like holy shit this stuff's real you know like we we buy into the fairy tale and then we're told it's not true and then we go back into adulthood and we're like but actually I have a an experience where I can say this was true Mm -hmm. you know so I think that there's obviously sides to everything um but I also feel like with the way the world has shifted in the last two years that I I feel like we're really looking as a global collective of like what really fucking matters because if we're if we're finding that things are just have like completely been kiboshed and like the magic has been taken out of us we're also then seeking why asking those questions why and if you're not maybe you could this is an invitation for you to start asking why and to take a look at how to reincorporate that magic of the season of the seasons in general like not just winter like I I had this realization like 
I don't know if it's a Winnipeg thing, a Manitoba thing, if it's the stupid media influence, but like you ever, ever listen to them talk on the news about how shitty the weather, oh, it's going to be so cold and it's, oh, it's going to be so windy and the windshield's going to be high today, blah, blah. Like, how do you motivate children to go over recess if all they hear first thing in the morning is how shitty of a weather day it's going to be? Like, shut up. You're not helping the, like, you're not helping here. And when I was teaching, I kind of had that realization, but then I was like, do I actually even hate winter? And I'm like, no, I don't actually hate winter at all. I was just conditioned since small child that the weather is awful and you have to bundle up and it's like, everyone makes it out to be this thing that's wrong. that You have to do all these extra things for winter. But I also have a memory of coming home from school, walking home in the almost dark. Like yesterday, it was so cloudy in Winnipeg that it was dark and I had lights on during the daytime. Yeah. Because the clouds were so thick and the sun was so much farther away. And I would come home from school, which was ending at 3.30. You know, by the time I dawdle and get dressed and walk home again, it's like 3.45, 4 o'clock before I'm home. I only live six houses away from my elementary school, but I took my time. I wasn't in a hurry to get home. I would watch my cartoons that I loved for about an hour, have something to eat. And then I would either choose to go outside or be sent outside. And we used to have a big, giant pine tree in our backyard. And it provided a lot of privacy. So I would go and climb under the pine tree. I was, I was out of the wind. I was in the snow. And I was hanging out under this tree thinking about life. And I was outside until I was called back in, whether it was bedtime or bath time or both. And I would be given like hot chocolate or hot tea or something to like warm you back up again. And sometimes, especially like in the winter, I like closer to Christmas, I remember doing that and hanging out with my neighbor and we'd be playing in the backyard building snow forts. Meanwhile, my mom's baking cookies and we didn't know she was even baking cookies. And then we come in for hot chocolate and we get hot cookies out of the oven too, which I thought was like really cute, you know? And to have that realization that like I used to spend so much time as a kid outside playing why am I not doing that more as an adult and why am I vilifying the weather why am I vilifying the temperature why am I vilifying the fact that the snow or sorry that the sun is like further away like I don't actually hate winter so I really I, I would also like to invite our other listeners out there that maybe get caught up in grumbling about the weather like is that actually you or is that what we've just been taught because of the way the media portrays literally everything? Everything is bad. Everything is, you know, going to cause <laughs> cause the world to end. Like, or you could pause and take a look at the beautiful sparkle of the snowflakes that are falling on the pine trees behind you in your yard or on your forest walk or wherever mm-hmm. and pause and soak in that wonder and that awe that we used to have as children and light that spark in ourselves again, because I think the world needs more of that. And we need to turn back to nature and not I don't just mean go hang out in the forest like what is your true nature at your soul level like do you really have you ever tested into the beliefs and the stories that you've told yourself for so long because I mean I'm it took me 40 freaking years to realize that I didn't hate winter like I would still go out and do hikes all of the last two years I think I spent most of my pandemic in Birdsell Park (laughs) like the amount of hours I've clocked hiking those trails and just being in that space and I would do it all year round. So I can't really honestly say that I ever hated winter. Like if you're dressed properly, you don't hate winter. Yeah. I think, I think I hated the conditions that created me and put, or put me in positions where I had to be outside, like daycare, especially like daycares, my goodness, or even just having multiple toddlers and getting them dressed for winter can be a chore if they're not independent, which is, you know, fine. But again, I could spend my time making it wrong and making it bad or realize like these kids have no idea how much you hate it and they're just ready to play 
but they can't get their foot in their boot because the boots are so thick and clunky and whatever. And like, yeah, their pant leg's going to fall off the boot a million times and you're going to have to rewrap it around their boot. But you know what, as long as they're warm and they're happy, who cares? Because they Mm -hmm. are in essence in their true nature and they're enjoying what is happening outside. So for me to have that realization, I had a good laugh on myself. It's like, I think it was just like the last two weeks. It's like, I don't actually hate winter. I have a great winter coat. I have great winter boots. I found ones that I don't like, don't slip on my ass every single time I hit an ice patch <laughs> and keep my feet warm, you know, and I can go and climb and, and, and play in the snow and, you know, make snow angels and all those fun things. Like we would go tobogganing until the, it was after dark. My dad would drive my neighbor and I, when we were in our early teens, preteens, he would drop us off at Kildonan Park and he would just park up the road and we would go toboggan all along the river riverbank like I don't even know if we were supposed to be in that little area but who cares it was safe like it wasn't like a real river it wasn't the red river it was like that little creek that goes in between the pond and behind the 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 witch's hut and we would go Mm -hmm. climb and walk along there and and there was a few years where they made that a skating path and I wish they would do it again because it would be lovely to be able to skate through the forest maybe Mm -hmm. that's a goal for me on a property oh that would be a skating path along in the forest like I'm not interested in the in the river skating stuff that they do at the forks downtown in in winnipeg like it's never been an interest to me and i would like to thank robert munch who introduced me to the um very terrifying story of a promise is a promise which is an inuit tradition of i can't pronounce it i'm not going to butcher it i but anyway it's basically this entity that lives underwater and steals children who walk on thin ice okay so thank you thank you for the traumatization of that but they are essentially, they remind me a bit of like, I don't know, they have funky sharp teeth and long black hair, which um, is similar oh, to like the imagery yes. of um, those things that were in the Harry Potter uh, fourth movie where they were underwater, the sea creatures, like sea creatures in general can be creepy because it's the unknown, obviously. Mm-hmm. But again, this is another like fear mongering story of teaching children in a backwards kind of way safety of like you don't want to go on the water if the ice is thin you could fall in and and somebody would take you well what if it was just actually just warning children to not walk on thin ice so they don't drown in the ice water because when you like unless you're Wim Hof you ain't going to survive it unless you've done the (laughs) practice of cold water bathing like you're not going to get out of that alive like sorry to say like not to be a Debbie Downer but that's just like the realistic basis behind these stories you know and and yet in that story by Robert Munch um the end of it was that they kind of how did they they were kind of the family themselves were tricksters back again and they kind of tricked this these entities into believing that they were going to send their children to the water for them as their sacrifice but then they tricked them and they managed to maintain the safety of their children and these entities didn't get what they had come for and they were sent back so anyway like it does have a happy ending but I remember being traumatized by this as a child, you know, I'm and it's kidding. like, if we, if we just talk about, like, if we look at it from a discerning point of view, these stories hold meaning, traditions hold meaning, and cautionary tales are not a bad thing if we give them context. And even as small children, like, they're able to understand, like, there's not actually this thing coming to get you out of the water. However, you need to understand that the water is really cold and you likely wouldn't survive just because of the temperature and the fact that you can't swim. And if the undercurrent takes you away and then you're stuck under a a thickness of ice that you can't break free, well, like that's just logic, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a scary story, but it's become that because it makes it easier to pass on the traditional knowledge. And, you know, I get it, but 
I mean, I don't know. Am I gonna traumatize my kids when I when I have some? Maybe, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, it's just an interesting situation with like. I remember hearing about those. I don't know. I don't even know what you want to call them, but like, yeah, the creepy little ice demon thingies. Um, and it, it is interesting. Like we could even delve into that in another episode in and of itself too. Like this, the, the different cautionary tales that we have told children or that have like children have been told over the, you know, X number of years. Right. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess to just wrap up our, our episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is, um, what's something that you are going to be doing this Yule or this Christmas season? Um, I actually like baking and putting intention into my creations that way. Um, I've also kind of researched the different types of um, shortbreads from around the world because each region has like a slightly different take on it and also how they decorate them. So, and, and the history of like gingerbread and the decorations and the shapes that they choose. So I have a quite the collection of cookie cutters and stamps and things. So I will, I, and I do enjoy decorating that and putting that intention into my art and food to me is art too so um that's one thing for sure and i would like hopefully the winds will hold out on me so that i can have a bonfire on yule itself which is the day after we release this episode i believe yes because it'll be tuesday i believe yes so that is the goal um the weather's supposed to fluctuate a little bit this week so you know cold 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 random warm day cold 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 random warm day don't know what the temperatures are going to be like or the winds but as long as the wind holds back enough that I can have a bonfire safely in my backyard and I'm not chasing embers everywhere around the yard because of the wind that's what's going to happen and then obviously helping prepare my family for actual Christmas Eve we are not doing any major any like I'm doing helping the baking my mom has an injury so she can't help which is fine I'm making some basic Christmas dishes and then we're ordering Chinese food because it's we don't want to cook it and deal with it and then leftovers for days is a good thing um and then I'm actually really hoping to have Christmas day to myself maybe have a Bailey's and my coffee if I decide that's probably the only alcohol I'll ever partake in this season is like one ounce of Bailey's and my coffee in in the morning of Christmas day and if it's warm and snowy or not warm and snowy, playing in the snow a little bit and just enjoying the quiet and the peacefulness of like that twilight to sunrise kind of mm-hmm. thing. That sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably be doing some sort of like shedding the old, bringing in the new, some manifesting, journaling, maybe dreaming of some sorts. Um, and then, yeah, like, I mean, we've got plans for Christmas, like, I happen to be working at my muggle job Christmas Eve, so that's fun. Oh, I thought um, you got off. I know, I was hoping so, but not so. But yeah, so I work nights. Um, so I'll be up for when Santa comes to jingle by with a sleigh. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I'm off uh, Christmas Day. And um, so my, my mom and my sister are going to come over Christmas Day. We're going to open gifts. And then um, either Christmas Day evening or Boxing Day, we'll be having something with my dad. So that'll be, you know, you got to get all of the family. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if like my husband's side is going to be doing anything. I think a lot of them are still kind of gun shy with the whole COVID stuff. So we'll see what happens. We might just do like a virtual Christmas with them, which is, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, but that's pretty much it. And then uh, gearing up for New Year's, so. Yeah, my New Year's is more intentional, actually, than Christmas. Christmas, I kind of go through the motions of what our family has historically done. But with New Year's, that's where it's more self-focused. And I, um, my business mentor is doing a 12 Days of Abundance thing, and we're on day five now. And I've listened to all of his podcast episodes to catch up to it. Um, if anyone out there in the world is want interested, his name is James Wedmore and it's the podcast is mind your business podcast and it's episode 503. It was where you want to start for, if you want to hop in on the 12 days of abundance. Um, and it's just really reminding me to bring gratitude back into my practice. And this is something that I used to do a lot of and wow, has it changed my life? And it's like, I kind of forgot about it or I put it to the wayside. Um, and I, I would still express gratitude verbally or intentionally with my mind, with my thoughts, but not pen to paper and this has brought back that journaling aspect for me and I find that this time of year with the darkness like I once it's dark outside like I'm happy to be cozy season you know so like I it's almost like I have more time to just rest and even if I'm sitting in front of the television like whether I'm paying attention to the tv shows or not doesn't matter or if I have it off but sitting by the Christmas tree lights with my journal and a candle and a hot cup of tea of some kind um I really just love getting into that intentional of like again letting go of the past saying goodbye to things that needed to say be said goodbye to and offering forgiveness and gratitude for those experiences because something that was mentioned in the podcast of I don't remember which one the last one because I I binge listened to them all in the last two hours before you and I connected today but he basically said like can you give gratitude for the worst things that have happened to you in your life it's easy to give gratitude for the good things, but success is a shitty teacher. Mm-hmm. So what about all those stuff, like those like shitty things that you've had to experience? Can you find the gratitude in that lesson, that experience and why? And that one hit me and I was like, wow, rather than again, vilifying something for making it wrong, like, you know, oh, well, it's minus 40 outside. Well, you know what? Guess what? I get to stay home today. Guess what? I can work out in my basement. I don't have to lug my gym gear across the world to a gym stand in line and hope that I get a spot to run on a treadmill for a half an hour while I can work out of my basement and never have to leave my house and deal with the minus 40, you know, like looking at those kinds of things and flipping the switch on the beliefs that I'm holding on to mm-hmm. and letting go of those beliefs and rewiring new ones so that I can create an abundant 2022. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I just, I feel like there's just so much magic in the next like yeah. couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I know not everyone's going to feel that, right? Like some people are still experiencing not the greatest time. Um, and like, who knows what 2022 is going to hold out for us. But I think if you set the right intentions and you hold the gratitude in your heart, um, I think you can make 2022, whatever the hell you want it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, obviously there's certain outstanding factors. However, you can still change the way that you think about those things or the way that you perceive them, right? So that's right. Absolutely. And just to mention to our listeners, we're taking a couple of week hiatus because of the holiday season, because it is so busy. Um, I know I'm going from zero to 60. Uh, As soon as we end this podcast, I'm back on market prep. I have a market happening on Saturday, which is past when we release this video episode, but that's fine. Um, and it's my first official market as a Winnipeg maker and I'm super jazzed about that so it's it's going to be a fun little experience for me and it's 
it's just really putting me in that festive mood finally. And as soon as that market is done, I can tell you right now I am in Christmas baking and wrapping mode like a mofo. Like it's going to go warp speed. And then after it's all said and done and I'm enjoying Chinese food leftovers on Boxing Day, I get to start working on, okay, what do I want the next year to look like? Because I know for me, the last two years didn't look the way that I wanted to. Um, but I'm going to spend that time being intentional with self and then also thinking about what kinds of content we want to bring our listeners and how I can further serve my clients um, going forth into the new year. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are struggling or you just need some new perspective, please hook us up, hook up, hook up with us for a session. I do have soul sessions available in December around the holidays and into January as well. And I know Aaron, you as well. Yeah. So you can definitely find us on our social medias or our websites. I'm at elevate with Carol sky or carolsky.ca and Aaron. I'm at heal with Aaron Mindy and you can find my website at aaronmindy.ca. Yeah. And I think just, um, yeah, like it's just, it's a hectic time of year, but I, like Carol says, I have some availability open. I know I'll be really like, once Christmas is over, I'm going to be really diving into what the heck I'm creating. I'm getting some monthly circles going. Um, actually, they're going to be like twice monthly circles, both online and in person. So, well, restrictions bearing, yeah. um, you know. But I'll be really diving into that and like planning out kind of what my year is going to look like. And I'm super excited. So I think we were, we were going to do um, some sort of vision boarding thing as well with one of our mentors. So that'll be super cool. That is going to be exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, with that, I guess um, this will be the end of the episode. Absolutely. So whatever holiday you're celebrating, blessed Yule, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all of the beautiful things that are out there. Um, just taking a look at that intention and enjoying the season for whatever it is and honoring the grief that comes, honoring whatever emotions need to be honored at this time. We're here for you. We love you guys. And we'll see you in the new year. <laughs> yeah, which is like, I can't believe it's going to be 2022 when we have our next episode. Oh my gosh. It doesn't even seem like surreal to me. That's so surreal. It's only a few weeks away, but right? like yeah. Two. yeah. So we're not going far. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But until um, then find us on socials, we'll keep you updated over there. <laughs> totally. If we post, <laughs> I'll be posting. I like posting stuff. I'm, I got to share that Yule cat image. Come on now. Yes. Yeah. We, <laughs> you have to share the Yule cat. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, well, hopefully you guys all have a, a merry holiday season and um, happy new year's and all that fun jazz. So take care, everyone. Bye.